This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. The upside of your dark side, the courage quotient, the power of negative emotion. These are juicy, juicy titles and they're great books. I know because I read them. I've got them on my shelf back here and thinking again, who would be a really perfect guest for this podcast? We will get through this. I was like, I need somebody who is willing to help me look at the emotion of resilience, help me lean into conversations about you know, hard emotions, bad emotions, negative emotions, and go, how do I think about those? How do I manage those? And luckily, I know just the man, and he is here with me. It is uh, Dr. Robert Biswash Dino. Now, Robert is a psychologist, a researcher, and a coach, and he focuses on positive topics such as happiness, courage, and social support. He's especially interested in real-world applications of research to coaching and to public policy. And what I love is, I love the I love the the nuance of his work because so often in the world of positive psychology, it's easy just to make it all, you know, rainbow farting unicorns because it's like, oh no, just talk about the happy happy bit. And I'm like, it's so not that. It's so much more. And as you could tell by those titles that I introduced him with, the upside of your dark side and the power of negative emotion. These are a powerful and an interesting lens to look at just how you manage yourself and you use emotion to build resilience. So Robert, mate, happy to have you here. Uh, I'm really, really thrilled to be here. Thank you for hosting this. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, negative emotions get a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. And... Um, and honestly, for some people, emotions get a bad rap. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like it's probably my lifetime's work just to get a little better attuned to how I'm actually feeling about things because I'm, I'm mostly a head with a body carrying it around thinking stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to work on this. Why, why are emotions and particularly negative emotions so kind of tricky for people to approach and to start kind of managing? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And, you know, there's a few uh, potential reasons. One, I think there's a, a really long history stretching way back to, to our traditions of philosophical thought that suggest emotions are, are these passions, right? If you mm. think about like the legal, like in the heat of passion, yeah. sort of the, these, little, these little feelings, tidal waves that wash over you and make you do things that might run counter to your better character, right? So, so this idea that we act in ways that we would prefer not to and, and the emotions are the culprits. But also, people don't like negative emotions because they just feel pretty unpleasant. I mean, I think that's yeah. an even simpler, simpler yeah, answer. Yeah, true. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen lists of core emotions and often the, the, this label of negative emotions seem to outweigh the positive ones. I mean, I've got, I've got a list of five that I always run through. Mad, sad, glad, ashamed, and afraid. I know there are others with six or seven. But if you look at that, it's like, okay, there's glad. <laughs> that's on one side. And then there's mad, there's sad, and there's ashamed, and there's afraid. It feels like 
on that list, the negative emotions outweigh the positive emotions. I'm, I'm wondering if there's actually any correlation between that in terms of, you know, the emotions that we feel. Is there a, a sort of standard mix between how much positive, how much negative we feel? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, you're you're asking kind of two different questions. So first, there's a there there is a name for exactly what you just described, and it's the negativity bias. And there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different types of negativity biases, but one of them is that we can better distinguish between negative moods than we can positive. So if you feel joy, oh. enthusiasm, and love, they they all kind of feel the <laughs> right. same, right? Right. It's it's the context that tells you which of it, you know, which it is. But if you feel bored, sad, anxious, or angry, those kind of feel a little bit more distinct from one another. So we're better able to differentiate those negative emotions. Um, And now I can't remember your second question. I can't remember it either. But I love that that you've explained the negativity bias to me, which is, you're right, you know, the happy emotions kind of mold into this kind of warm glow. Even when you talk about love, I'm like, Honestly, you know, the love I feel for my wife is very different from the love I feel for a slice of fresh bread and butter. Um, But I use the same language around it, but I kind of feel a little differently around those two things. So there's all sorts of ways that those can get a little squashed. Yeah. Oh, you just reminded me now of the second question, which is, (laughs) do do we feel more negative emotion? There we go. Uh, and we we don't, fortunately. I mean, in order for us all to function, we kind of have to be doing well, right? So people sort of default to kind of mildly positive, and we feel, you know, the, the range of positive, whether that's feeling at peace or feeling enthusiastic, whatever that is, about roughly. I mean, I, I'm going to put a percentage, but I'm so reluctant to do so, but let's yeah. call it 75% of the time. Okay. And that's pretty good, right? That is pretty you want good. It to, you want it to be more than 50-50, but let's yeah. also be honest. There's you know, loads of times that we're irritated and frustrated and all sorts of little creeping kind of negative emotions crop up. Why is or how is a better connection to emotion a way of helping me become more resilient? I know that's what you stand for, but I don't totally get why I'd have to do all that hard work and kind of getting better connected to how I'm feeling in, a, in an attempt to become more resilient. Yeah. I, so I think that there are a couple of ways. I'm going to just tell you number one, and if you have follow-up questions, let's yeah. just stick there before sure. we move on. Um, so first, I think understanding how you're doing is important. Mm. And people who are more divorced from their emotions might not have the same recognition uh, or full picture of how they're doing. So just in in the period of this pandemic, I've been interviewing people all over the world. I probably interviewed people from 15 cities and 10 nations in the last seven days. And I just want to find out how are you doing? What is is your day-to-day life like? And, And so forth. And these are people who some of them have lost their job. Some of them have have a loved one who has COVID-19 and has been hospitalized. Some of them, you know, everyone has something, Yeah. but, it, but it's not all, always the same for everyone. And there's no one that's running at 100%. They all say, you know, we're kind of like these trees bracing against the wind, <laughs> right. you know, and you're spending so much just natural energy bracing that we're not developing all our fruits, you know, Mm -hmm. at least for the time being. And so kind of like 90% 
of, of optimal functioning is, is, is kind of what we're at. Like there's no one running at a hundred percent and recognizing like, wait a minute, I am more irritable. I am having a hard time concentrating. My sleep isn't quite as good. Just, just that kind of emotional knowledge is mm. fantastic right out of the gate because it allows you to accept that may, it's okay that you're, you're struggling a bit because that <laughs> is kind of the, the nature of things. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's immediately helpful to hear, you know, this morning, my wife and I just had this little, I can't even remember what it was about now. All I know is that we both had this little bump. <laughs> and then she said, it's day 46 of the lock-in. And we both <laughs> laughed because it, it spoke to a truth, which is, you know, we, we really love each other. We've been a couple for 30 years, but I spend a lot of time on the road normally. We haven't had quite as much <laughs> extended exposure to each other for a long time. And there's a blessing in that, but there's also a kind of, wait, it's you again? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, and I even think that that's really interesting what you're saying, because kind of like that's your thing, you know? And, and I think that there's a tendency to say, oh, well, well, I'm a teacher in school and I've got to migrate all, all my classes over onto online teaching and that's yeah. my thing. And someone else is like, yeah, but my husband is in the hospital with COVID and that's my thing. I mean, and rather than trying to like cling to our own individual pain, I think it can be really helpful to just say like, everyone's got a thing yeah. um, that, we're, that we're dealing with, that we're, that we're bracing against like those trees. That's really helpful. And that, that metaphor of bracing against it as a tree and therefore not being able to bear all your fruits, I think is a really, a really touching metaphor it, that kind of strikes a real chord with me. Um, does becoming just a little more self-aware of how you're feeling somehow lessen the brace? It can. And this is actually the second point. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, there is a, a technique, and I'll kind of explain it to you. And it, I, I'm not very technique-y guy. Like, I'm not the guy who says, oh, here's the three things you ought to do, or you should right. try this artificial activity. But there's just this phenomenon called emotion differentiation. Like, like the name sounds, it's the ability to label and distinguish between your emotions. And we've all been taught that they're kind of single-serving things, like I feel sad or I feel bored. Mm -hmm. But they, they kind of can be more complicated than that. So, you know, I might ask someone, hey, how are you feeling right now? And they'll say, in general, I just kind of feel anxious mm. or, or even something more bland, like stressed. But then you ask, well, what else are you feeling? And you're kind of pointing their attention to start distinguishing between their, their moods. And they might say, well, I'm concerned about my mom. She lives alone. Okay, right. what else? Mm -hmm. I feel a little bit, I guess, afraid of getting uh, the coronavirus. Okay, what else? Well, I also feel just a little bit anxious about the uncertainty of the future. So, okay, right. so you feel afraid, anxious, and concerned. Right. And the truth is, as soon as someone starts parsing apart their emotions like that, they sort of relax. They're mm -hmm. still feeling those emotions. Those emotions still feel plenty icky, yeah. but they don't feel like you don't have that buzz of like, oh my gosh, everything's going wrong. I can't, I can't believe it. And yeah. so you just sort of relax into it and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I feel anxious, fearful, and, and concerned. To, to be able to label and name an emotion like that, you first have to kind of have a sense of being able to recognize it. Do you, do you find people get that if you I mean if you hold that space of curiosity just like your role model going what else and what else 
people just get there naturally or is there a way that you can help people can get better at actually recognizing how they're actually feeling so they can more easily then label it? Yeah, fantastic question. So if I were going to train this, and you know, obviously some people will be better naturally than others. First, I would say you need a, a robust strengths vocabulary because you're only ever going to be able to, to name what you can label. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, if, it's, if you don't have that, that, print one up from the internet. You can get a list of you know, 50, yeah. 60 emotion words. Um, mm-hmm. Then I would say take the time to do it, you know, and kind of practice it just like going to the gym, but you can do it in one minute. Just, Hey, I'm going to just take a moment and just kind of check in with myself and what am I feeling? And a lot of times we want to truncate it into these broad things. Like I feel stressed or I feel good, but those really aren't that distinguished. You've, you've got right. to push a little deeper. I saw something recently, I think Swiss Miss listed it on her website, which is an emotions wheel. And like a color wheel, you know, you kind of like have five core emotions in the middle and then they split into three to five secondary emotions that contribute that. And each one of those splits into another three to five more subtle variations. Mm -hmm. And I could feel just the power of moving out from the kind of generic ones in the middle to kind of, uh, oh, I'm like, I'm irritated with a hint of anger. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, is actually uh, one state which is different from I'm irritated with a strong undercurrent of sadness, which is actually quite different in terms of how that feels in my, my body as I, as I mention it. Exactly. And there's something, we don't totally understand why this is happening, but as soon as you start kind of wondering what your blend of emotion is, you quit being overwhelmed by it and you sort of relax into it. doesn't get rid of the negative emotion. You just settle. Mm. Uh, and, and I like those emotion wheels. Uh, a lot of those were published um, actually the exact same year, 1981. So they've been around for a long time. But the one uh, you're likely describing is cool because it does give you these gradations, right? You yeah. know, from irritation to anger to rage, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so it really does help you kind of parse apart the intensity dimension. What's the role of the body in helping discerning emotions? And I'm asking because, like I said earlier on, I'm like, I'm a head guy. <laughs> and... I feel, I really do feel that one of the things I'm trying to do is get a little better attuned to my somatic wisdom, you know, fancy word for what the hell's going on in my body, um, in an attempt to try and make me a little more integrated and a little wiser as to who I am in this world and what this world is all about. Um, and uh, I, it's, I, keep, I keep almost getting it and then it keeps being elusive. So I'm just curious to know what your perspective is on that. Yeah, well, I mean, emotions are physiological phenomenon, right? They, mm. they are neurotransmitters and, and, and blood flow and endorphins and, you know, all, the, all these wonderful, you know, physical processes. So people do experience them in their body. And, and we have some pretty good maps, you know, people are more likely to experience anger in their head, chest and hands. They're oh, more right. likely to experience happiness in their trunk, chest, and head, right? I mean, so you, you kind of get the idea that like, oh, anger somehow is hands, but, but <laughs> happiness is not, you know, oh, for some reason. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that'll vary, of course, person to person. But, but what it does suggest is that 
you can pay attention to your body. You know, sometimes people call it doing a body scan, but actually yes. taking some deep breaths and focusing on areas, you know, are you feeling jittery? Are your hands moving? Where is the emotion? Is it in your stomach, your chest, your head, mm. your buttocks? You know, it's probably not in your feet mostly, but, um, <laughs> right. but, but I think that that can be um, one way just to start focusing your attention and start um, building the ability to kind of pick up on these, these subtle signals. I did hear somebody once teach me that uh, you see nervousness in people's feet. Um, if, if somebody's looking calm on top, if you look down at their legs and their feet, that they'll often betray a nervousness that might be there. I'm not sure if nervousness is even an emotion, but it's, uh, there's something that feet can tell you, even if it's not going to be happiness. I don't know what yeah. happy feet look like. <laughs> well, certainly, I mean, the, the idea of fidgeting or little ticks, things like that, um, can, can certainly betray an amount of, of nerves. You, you, you've found a way of being more aware of emotion, kind of giving it language, and you can label it. Um, I'm wondering if labeling it is the same as accepting it. Because I find there are times where I have a kind of a double bind, which is not only do I feel a certain way, but I feel a way about feeling a certain way. <laughs> like I'm angry and I'm sad that I'm angry <laughs> or I'm, you know, I'm sad and I'm angry that I'm feeling sad. And I'm like, okay, I'm now, I'm now in an eternal battle against myself and how I'm feeling about a certain situation. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you've really just <laughs> identified this really, really complicated thing about emotion and sort of the secondary feelings we feel about feelings and you know right. from there it just spins completely out <laughs> of control um, so it, it's quite it's quite interesting i i would say first a lot of people harbor prejudices against certain emotions mm. and if you think um I kind of think people kind of fall into two camps. There's people who like high arousal emotions. So if you're like a positive person, you probably like joy and enthusiasm. But they also kind of, there's other people that like more sedate emotions. So those mm. people probably like peace, contentment, harmony. Right. Now, each of these groups sort of has an Achilles heel. The high arousal folks are good with high arousal negative emotions. So anger is a little more familiar to them because it doesn't feel that foreign from enthusiasm. That oh, is that's really interesting. aroused. But the people who love peace and harmony tend to hate anger because the, just the arousal is, is not their cup of tea. Yeah. Whereas the high arousal people hate sadness and boredom because they they feel uncomfortable with the lack of arousal. So just knowing where your own particular prejudices and Achilles heels are, I think can be helpful. That's, uh, that's really interesting. So I'll just tell an anecdote. So this is my quest to, to better connect body and mind. And uh, a while ago I was at a, a dinner party and this friend, this person who's running the dinner party goes, Hey, I've, I'm working with my therapist on better integrating emotion and feeling uh, and emotion and thought. I'm like, cool. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll pursue this person. I'll go and get a reference, a, a referral to her. Anyway, I call up this woman and she goes, here's what you need to know, Michael. I'm not a therapist. I'm a sexologist. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I, I had exactly the same nervous laugh going, wow, that sounds like the very last thing in this planet that I ever want to talk to anything about. I don't want to talk about any, any topic that might fall under the umbrella of sexologist. <laughs> 
So I'm like, but I'm going to go and do it anyway because it scares me. Um, and and just reflecting on what you're saying, um, at one stage she's like, "How do you feel about anger?" And I'm like, "I don't. I just don't really get angry very. I don't really get angry, um, and I don't really have much to get angry about." And she's like, oh, okay, interesting. She's like, what if we send you to an anger room where you can really fully express your anger and get a baseball bat out and hit pillows or something like that? I'm like, honestly, I just feel silly (laughs) and ironic. I'd start making smart-ass comments about it. But it's been an interesting conversation with her because she's actually pretty good at this job. And now our hypothesis is maybe the way to unlock greater access into emotion for me is to kind of crack my thing about anger because I'm kind of nervous about anger. It turns out I'm, I'm really a little anxious about being angry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great story. And I also just applaud you for facing it head on. <laughs> but um, the, I mean, I, I think anger is a particular Achilles heel for a lot of people. Yeah. There, there's this idea that it's going to make us act out of our character or act violently. And what I tell people is, first of all, you're not going to get stuck there, right? Like you've been mm. angry lots of times and you're not still angry. You've probably, in all the times you've been angry, acted out in a really violent or abusive way in almost none of them ever, right? Right. Some people kind of internalize anger. Some t- people shout. Some people just fume. I mean, it's it, it it it's not a pleasant necessarily emotion, but I think that it gets more of a bad rap. I mean, people really have an arm's length relationship with it. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. This has been a this is a really profound conversation, Robert. And I love how I mean, right at the I mean, before we started, uh, you were like, you know, Michael, I'm not I'm not one for the here's three snappy ways to be more emotional or be less emotional or whatever it might be. You know your your pieces around uh, just this this profound insight around that a better way of stepping forward and accepting and integrating your emotions is in itself an act of resilience. Yeah, and if if, if you don't mind me, just kind of offering one parting kind Please. of idea. Yeah, uh, just the idea that a lot of people naturally try and tamp down their negative emotions, right? Mm. You either do it by uncorking a bottle of wine because you know in the short term that's a pretty good way to relax or, <laughs> yeah. or you just try and distract yourself or you try and just force it down. But, but that tamping down is a blunt instrument. And when we tamp down negative emotions, we also tamp down positive emotions. You, oh, you, can't, you, you can't do it surgically. And this is why I think just start understanding your full spread of emotions, listen mm. to them, accept them, don't expect the world of yourself, don't fear them, just kind of sink into them and understand you can tolerate them. Could you give any guidance around how to do that safely? Because if people are like anxious about, I'm, I'm, I'm tamping it now, not just because I don't want to feel them, but because I'm worried about the impact that might ripple out amongst the people with whom I live or whatever. How do you find a safe space for people to step into sadness or anger or shame or whatever it might be? Yeah, so that's a great question. So for the people that really have intense emotion, so if you find that you yell in kind of an abusive way or you've gone through a trauma that that you are trying to avoid the feelings, that's sort of a different cup of tea. What you're doing right. is trying to, to keep 
yourself together, mm. you know, and healthy so that you don't act in ways that are harmful. So that that's that's perfectly understandable. But yeah. for just everyday stressors and irritations and so forth, I think try the emotion differentiation as a technique. And I don't think try and make this change all at once. Remember, I just don't think that people are, are operating at their best these days, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay if you didn't, you know, use your time at home to write a novel and start a new <laughs> business and, you know, do all these extra right. things. It's okay if the best you can do is binge watching TV. Yeah. Um, and so don't, don't accept that same level here. Don't be like, oh, now I'm going to be an emotional genius accepting everything. <laughs> right. Rather, just I'm going to just try that emotion differentiation technique. I'm going to try and Beautiful. just pay attention now and again to my emotion. Just kind of let that tiger out of the cage very briefly for a minute here and there and see how it works. You know, I, I read somewhere uh, flattening the curve means lowering the bar. <laughs> and I quite like that in terms of going, you can just allow yourself to be just messier and more. And as you said, like running at 90% or less of the best yeah. version of yourself at the moment, because that's just where we all are. Absolutely. That, that was the most humbling thing um, for me because I thought, oh, you know, I've traveled all over the world and lived in these really extreme and difficult circumstances. I'm going to adapt. No problem. <laughs> right. And then I'm binge watching Netflix. And I was like, what, what is going on here? Like, why, why? I can't believe that I'm not like building yeah. something or creating something. Or, yeah, um, and exactly. I just realized, oh, no, you know what? Things are just a little bit hard. and That's okay. That's great. Robert, for people who want to find out more about you and the work that you do, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on the internet. Um, I do courses and things at positiveacorn.com. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and of course, your books, which you know, written by our friend Todd, you co-written with uh, Todd Cashdown, another friend of ours, um, available at bookstores online and offline near you. Robert Dina, you are awesome. Thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up, to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review that would be amazing thank you